Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, <laughs> where confusion sets in, God brings order. Yeah. We're having a little technical difficulties with, with the microphones. <laughs> That's why I had Marsh play another song. But, you know, what he said towards the end was, even though I'm going through a few things, I refuse to let it affect me. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. You know, because, you know, as long as we're in this world, and we're in this body. We are going to face some trials and some tribulations. Right? We are going to go through. Right? Until we are in our glorified bodies, we are going to face some difficulties. And, and that's just life. You know, so we, we, we talked about the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I pray that y'all ask the Lord this week, Lord, what do you want me to do? Right? Because I've been asking him that, you know. And, and the thing is, we're going to continue with that. But... Let's say we were to ask him that, and we hear one word from him, a six-letter word, and we ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? And what if he says, suffer? How would we respond to that? <laughs> well, we probably wouldn't respond too kindly, right? He'd be like, I didn't hear that right, right? Or, no, that Satan, get thee behind me, right? <laughs> or if he says, you know, we, we ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to go through trials and tribulations. You know, as Christians, we don't want to hear that, right? You know, because there, there was a movement where, uh, you know, a lot of ministers were just preaching. Everything is blessings. Everything is good. You know, we're not going to go through anything. You know, if you go through anything, just rebuke the devil and move on because the devil's going to flee. But what happens when the devil doesn't flee? Because sometimes it's not... Satan led. Sometimes it's God inspired right. that we go through. Right? And, and he, he, he's, he will have us go through trials and tribulations, some more severe than others, right? Because we don't face in this country, we don't face what some of our brothers and sisters in other countries face, right? We don't face getting thrown in prison just for being a Christian, confessing Christ, right? We don't lose our jobs just for. Well, some jobs right, in this country for confessing Christ, right? We, you know, we don't get stoned just for confessing Christ in this country. But there are other countries where people go through that, right? But it doesn't mean in this country we won't face our own trials, our own tribulations, the things, the difficulties that we face, right? We can face difficulties upon our jobs. We can face difficulties with our family members. We can face difficulties. There are all sorts of variety of ways that difficulties can come to us. But like I said, a lot of times it's not the enemy bringing it home. It is God. You know, we see it in Job, right? It wasn't Satan that offered Job up. It was God that offered Job up, right? So what if he says, Satan goes before God. He says, Byron, or Satan, have you considered my servant Byron? Right? But we don't really want to face those type of trials, right? We don't want to face those difficulties, right? Um... So, but really, that's basically what the Lord told Paul or what he was going to tell Paul. All right. So we, we see Paul's great ministries. You know, as we went through Acts, we saw what he's gone through. But 
the Lord revealed to him what he was going to go through. Right? Now, how many of us, we would, we would rejoice for that, what Paul, you know, for his ministries and things like that and, and the churches he established. But going through, we probably was like, nah, give that to somebody else. Right? I'll be fine. I'll stay in my house. I'll just be a regular church goer, right? I won't face no. But as a Christian, as long as we're called, guess what? We're going to face some, some trials and we're going to face some tribulations, right? So before we go to Acts, let's turn to uh, Romans chapter 8. So, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says, suffer. Suffer. A six letter word. We don't like bad things to happen to us. <laughs> That's right. Who does? Right? But it's like the song said, right? <laughs> We're going to rejoice through it. Right? We're going to praise the Lord regardless of what we go through. Why? Because, see, even though we may feel like we're not built for it, God's saying we are built for it. Right? Now, thank you. <laughs> Because we have his Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Right? So even when times are, are, are tough, times are hard, and we feel like we can't pray our way out of a box or a paper bag, guess what? The Holy Spirit is there to help us. Yeah. Amen. So real quick, there's three types of trials Christians may face. Trials that come from our own sins and our own mistakes that we make. Right? We may, we, we may say things. You think about it with Joseph. Right? He, God gave him a dream, but guess what? He didn't have to go share it with his family, but he did. That was a mistake he made by sharing it with his family. And yes, he came out on the end. God brought him out on the end on top, but guess what? He missed years of not seeing his family. And when he was thrown, he never got to see his mother again. He never got to see the birth of Benjamin because Benjamin was not born when he was in Egypt. I see Marshall looking at me. No, he wasn't. <laughs> and we know his mom died giving birth to Benjamin. Amen. So that's type one. Type two will be trials that happen because this is a fallen world full of sickness, disease, and fallen people. In other words, storms in life. A storm, in, a storm of life is a set of unexpected circumstances or a change of events that challenges our faith. Right. We, we will be faced with obstacles that are going to challenge our faith. And that goes back again to last week where we have to trust the Lord, even though we can't see it, even though we can't. We, we still see it in the storm and we just can't see past it. We got to trust him. We have to trust him at all times. Right. So type three is trials that God is willing for us to experience because he wants us to grow. And we don't we don't like that. Because what? Growing just like working out the muscles, it hurts. It's painful. And, and, and even in the, through the midst of the trial, God wants us to glorify him. So looking at verse 28 in Romans chapter 8. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. Anybody here love God? Anybody here called according to his purpose? Amen. Yeah. So guess what? We're going to face some storms in life. We're going to face some trials. 
in life. Some tribulations, right? And they may hurt, but the Lord wants us to be like that palm tree, right? In the midst of a hurricane, that palm tree is not uprooted. It may bend, but it's not going to break. Right? And that's how we have to be. Right? Yes, we may bend, but we can't allow ourselves to be uprooted. That's what the enemy wants. He wants us to be uprooted. He wants us to be like, jo well, not like Job, but what he wanted Job to do and curse God. Because the enemy is accused of the brethren. So he will go before God and say, hey, Marie's only serving you because you're blessing her in this area. And God says, I know Marie's heart. So go ahead, touch her, but do not take her life, right? Because guess what? No matter how much the enemy comes, he can't touch us without God's permission, right. right? And guess what? He's on a leash, just like a barking dog, dog, right? He's on a leash, all right? So let's look at uh, verse 18. For I consider... For I consider that the sufferings of the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The suffering. So just think about just a short time that we spend in this earth, no matter how long we live, whether we live to 80, that still doesn't match all of eternity. All of eternity where we get to spend, guess what? There'll be no more sickness, no more pain. Right? But yet. Even while we're here on this earth, he doesn't want us to murmur or complain. But yet, that's what we do. That, that's what we all do. Right? Lord, why me? Right? That's not unusual. I've done it. Right? We're all guilty of that. Right? But think back to Israel in the wilderness. What kept them there longer is their murmuring and their complaining. God just wanted them to trust him. And see... They thought that they had it better, better in Egypt, but no, they didn't. And then now, they didn't get Egypt, they didn't get the promised land, they had to stay in the wilderness. See, the more we murmur, the more we complain, the more we go around the wilderness. We're going around the wilderness, and we're stuck. Why? Because in the midst of the storm, we don't need to murmur or complain, we need to praise God. In it. Right? Is it hard on our flesh to do that? Yes. Is it hard on our feelings, our emotions to praise them? Yes. <laughs> but we have to praise them and not murmur, not complain, because then we're like Israel. Let's look at our same, same chapter, verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us, helps in our weaknesses. Right? Because we may be weak. We may be fatigued. We may be tired. And when we can't go and we can't pray, guess what? We have the Holy Spirit. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with, with groanings which cannot be uttered. This can be praying in tongues, but it's not limited to that. The idea is simply of communication beyond our ability to express. The Holy Spirit may cause us to worship. Right? We may not have to pray in tongues, but the Holy Spirit may cause us to just praise and worship the Lord. Why? Because now we're not having our eyes on a problem. See, when we murmur and complain, guess what we're doing? We're putting the problem, we're looking at the problem, but we're not only looking at the problem, but we're putting it on ourselves. Right. Woe is me. Woe is me. 
God says, don't look at yourself. Look at me. Look at me. Doesn't take care of the problem. The problem may not be taken care of, but guess what? We know God's, God's in charge. And we trust Him. And He will work it out. For all things work out. Right? But we have to trust Him. We have to trust Him. Verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit will never steer us wrong. Right? But we have to submit to Him. But when we're in a difficult situation, when we're going through the trials and we're tribulation and we're murmuring, now we're looking at us. And now, guess what? When the Holy Spirit's trying to lead us somewhere, we're like, mm, nope. And sometimes God may have to force his hand. Like I had that, I told y'all before, I had that job in Connecticut when I first got out of the Navy. I said, hey, God, I don't want to stay here. And, and guess what? I kept trying to find another job. He just kept closing the, closing the door for me where he would not allow me to leave. But then later on, once I submitted, guess what? I understood why he had me there. But while I was murmuring and complaining, I didn't want to see nobody else. <laughs> I, was, I prayed to God, said, God, get me out of here. <laughs> I'm not trying to help anybody else. I don't want to be here. They're keeping me late. late. <laughs> I don't care if they like me. I don't like it here. <laughs> but once I got my eyes off of me and stopped murmuring and complaining, I realized there was a bunch of people there that needed to hear about the Lord. Amen. Right. But as long as I murmured and complained, it was never about them, never about God, but it was about me. Lord, rescue me from this situation. And even what I'm going through now, he went to cancer. It could be the same thing. I can make it about, look, I know people specifically, they will milk this. <laughs> they will milk it. I, I, I know a pastor specifically that will milk this. And get everybody to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, it's not about that because I don't have my eyes on the problem. I have my eyes on the Lord. That's right. Right? And, and that's what it's about. Right? Because even though I'm not healed, guess what? I can still go forth in strength. Why? Because he's given me the strength. That's right. He's given me the energy. Amen. So a lot of times it's not about, again, the devil coming because we can rebuke the devil all we want to. But as long as God gives him permission, guess what? We're going to go through those trials. We're going to go through those tribulations. And God is trying to make something out of us. Why? Because he has a standard. Right? And we, as his saints, are supposed to be standard bearers. But if we don't uphold his standard, which is relying on his word, guess what? We will fall. We will lose some battles. Right? But guess what? He'll give us another chance. But we have to trust him in that. We have to trust him in that. All right, let's go to Acts chapter 9. Acts Lord, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I want you to suffer. <laughs> Ooh, not a good word. Y'all may not watch this on YouTube. 
start at verse 5, Acts chapter 9, verse 5. And he said, this is Saul talking, and he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Verse 7. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. So let's stop there. So we talked about this, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but how Paul, Saul, was a leader. Right? He was, he was a leader. He called the shots. He submitted to authority because he submitted to the authority of the high priest to get the permission to go and arrest disciples of Christ. Right? So now he's got people who are following him. But guess what? He gets blinded by the glory of the Lord because that's what's blinding him, the glory of the Lord. Right? And now, guess what? He can no longer lead them. And not only can he not lead them, but he can't even follow them. Because he can't see. So now he has to be led. This was a part of God's um, process allowing him to suffer at this point. Because guess what? He had to get out of here. Saul had to learn to become humble. Because he wasn't humble before this. He was full of pride. He was zealous. A little bit of arrogancy. But now he had to learn to become humble. And sometimes when we go through trials, a lot of times when we go through trials and tribulations, God is trying to work something out of us. Right? We, we may not see our own faults. Other people can see them sometimes, but sometimes we don't see our own faults. We don't see our weaknesses. We don't see the things that God's trying to develop in us, our weaknesses, to become strengths. Alright, let's go down to verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Right? So we will be happy for the call for apostleship, but uh, will we be happy for the Lord to show us how much we may suffer? How we may go through some trials and some tribulations? Probably not. Right? Probably not. Right? But there's a reason why he had to take Paul to do that. Right? And guess what? Paul did it without murmuring or complaining. Right? So what did he have to go through? Let's turn to 2 Corinthians uh, 11. See, if we want to be vessels of God, we want to be used by God, guess what? We're going to go through some things. See, when I talked about, I don't know if it was last week or when it was, but when I talked about how I was on the naval base and the Lord started speaking to me about my calling, I was excited, but at the same time, he showed me the areas where my shortcomings were. He showed me where my weaknesses were. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to deal with that. I didn't want to deal with that. But guess what? That was a part of my trials and my tribulations, my suffering, because how many of us like dealing with the things that we're weak in? 
We don't like to face those areas. Right? But he had to take me through somewhere in order to get that out of me. To now where it wouldn't be a weakness, now it becomes a strength. Why? Because as long as it became a weakness, then as long as I allowed or he allowed that weakness to stay there, guess what? Murmuring, complaining, and the places he may tell me to go, no, I'm not going. And guess what? There were times where shortly after that, I got asked to speak somewhere. So I no, because of my weaknesses. Right? And I said no. And the Lord had to get that out of me. Because if he didn't get it out of me, then I would never get to where he was calling me to. And we just don't like dealing with our weaknesses. We don't like dealing with our shortcomings. But those are trials and tribulations. See, we may not get stoned, like I mentioned earlier. We may not get stoned or thrown in prison. But guess what? We still may suffer in the Lord trying to get us out of our weaknesses to become strengths. And we have to be willing to accept that and to go forth. Why? Because the only way we can do that is by trusting him, despite what it looks like. Because guess what? God will not call us to some without equipping us. But the fact that we can't get out of our own way sometimes, <laughs> we become stagnant. He's pushing us forward, but we're murmuring, we're complaining. He's saying go, and we're like, no. He's saying go, we're like, no. Just like me, he's saying go at the time. I'm like, no. And the doors were wide open for me to go minister at other churches. And I'm like, no. Because of my weaknesses, my shortcomings. So I wasn't going to be obedient to the Lord. All right, chapter 11. Did I give a chapter? 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, we'll start at verse 17. All right, what I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. So what Paul is saying here is this. Basically, we should not be boasting out of our flesh. We should not be boasting out of ourselves because what's happened in this chapter, you had some false apostles or some versions called super apostles that were coming and they were downing Paul. Even though he established the church of Corinth, they were downing him. Why? Because he was going through some stuff. So reason why we don't brag, we don't boast, because what happens? We start to boast about ourselves and what we've gone through. We don't boast, but we testify. And when we testify, we testify about Christ. So if we boast, guess what? We're trying to draw people to us. We may, we, we may think we're going to bring them to Christ, but we can't get out of the way. So all they see is us, right? But he says what? If I be lifted up, meaning Christ, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Verse 18. Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. So he's saying boasting is not of the Lord, but it is of the flesh. But it, he's, he is about to boast, and he's saying, he's letting them know, this is not of the Lord. But I'm going to tell you what my credentials are. Right? You have these super apostles that are talking about blessings, they're good, they're living a high life, and we got them today, these televangelists. Right? And he's saying, it's not all about that. Verse 19, for you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage. 
If one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face, to, to our shame I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they of the seed of Abraham? So am I. So, in other words, he's saying they're taking advantage of you. They're basically putting you in bondage with this mindset that they have. So, just because we go through trials and tribulations doesn't mean we are a weak Christian. Just because we may suffer, we are not a weak Christian. We're just going according to God's plan and purposes. Verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons, more frequently in deaths often. So let's look what he went through. Verse 24, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. So, no matter where he went, he was in peril. That's what the Lord was showing him. Right? That's what the Lord showed him. Things he must suffer. Verse 27. In weariness, in toil, and sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness. Verse 28. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. So all this stuff he's going through, he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about this churches, not the church building, but the church, the body of Christ. Why? He's not murmuring. He's not complaining. When we murmur, we complain again. We make it about ourselves. But He's thinking about them while he's going through all this. He's going to keep pushing forward regardless because he recognizes someone over there in Macedonia needs to hear what he has. Someone in Thessalonica needs to hear what he has. God called him for that. And it's not that the other disciples, other apostles didn't go through stuff. They did. But we're going through Paul. Right? Because guess what? They were all martyred. Minus John. So, they were true witnesses. <laughs> yeah. Verse 29. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with alienation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and, the, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desiring to arrest me, but I was let down in the basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hand. So let's go back to Acts chapter 9. Verse 23. And we'll see right here what he's talking about. Acts chapter 9, verse 23. Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. Just what we just read. Why? 
These are things that he had to suffer. These are things that he had to go through. But guess what? He still pressed on. Same way we have to press on. So many Christians give up and stop. But no, there, there is, this is a pearl of great price. <laughs> but we're willing to talk it and out of our heads, but are we willing to bring it out of our hearts? Right? Are we willing to be standard bearers? Are we willing to be like Christ? We'll talk about Christ and being like Christ when it comes to praying for people and seeing people heal. But are we willing to be like Christ going through the suffering as well? Because guess what? Jesus Christ suffered on the cross. And guess what? He didn't murmur. He did it for all of us. He didn't murmur. He didn't complain. He could have, but he didn't. And he doesn't want us to murmur or complain. Amen. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. All right, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Begin at verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So that, ain't, that, that Greek word, conduct, literally means to, be, to live as a citizen. Right. To live as a citizen, not a citizen of the United States, but a citizen as the kingdom of God. Right. So why would he tell him to live as a citizen as a kingdom of God? So let's keep going. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. So in the midst of what we're going through, in the midst of even while people may persecute us, even though we may face trials and we may face tribulations, guess what? We're supposed to still carry ourselves as citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen. Citizens of the kingdom of God do not murmur or complain. And we've got to remind ourselves of that because it's easy to do. We're all guilty of it, but we have to remind ourselves of that. Because why? Because a citizen of the kingdom of God has no need to murmur or complain. Why? They trust God fully in every area. Why? Because God is all-knowing. God is everywhere. Right? We're going to know that no matter where we're at, God is there. No matter what we're facing, God is there. Right? And, and we have to trust that. So, he's talking to the Philippians here. So, why the Philippians need not be terrified by their adversaries? Verse 29. For to you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ. For to you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. That word suffer means bad plight, unfavorable of a sick person. So it is actually a privilege when we suffer and we face trials and tribulations. I know we don't see it that way. When things don't work out, it's a privilege. Right? We should be honored. And that's where we start to think about Job. Hey, the enemy's trying to do something here. Right? But I'm going to glorify God in the midst of this. 
regardless of what the situation looks like, regardless of how much this person irritates me, I'm going to still glorify God. Regardless of what sickness I'm dealing with, I'm going to still glorify God. Why? Because he's God in the good times and in the bad times. But a lot of times we only want to see him in the good times. No, but he's still the same God at all times. Right? Verse 30, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. So the same thing Paul was dealing with, the Philippians were dealing with. But he was telling them to what? To basically count it all joy. Count it all joy. But we don't feel that way, right? <laughs> but guess what? It's not about our feelings. It's not about our feelings. And we have to remember that, right? Because it, it, trials and tribulation can hurt, right? It, it, and, and I think I might have said this on Wednesday. You know, when we think about the stuff, because we are spoiled in this country. We are. Compared to other believers in other countries. But let's think about this. The little things we, and I say little, they're, they're big to us here. You know, even when I'm going through it's big technically. But if we murmur and complain through those things, how will we be able to stand up when someone comes to throw us in jail for our faith? Or stone us like they did Stephen? Because we're, 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 we're complaining about the little things. And guess what? People over in Iraq, Christians over there, they would love to be in our shoes. <laughs> right? What trials and tribulations we face that we think are so hard that we can't make it to the next day or to the next week, we can't see our way out, they would love, like, look, I'll trade spots with you in a minute. Yeah. But they are enduring. Yes, they may endure, but we have to endure too. We may not be facing what they're facing, but guess what? We're still facing something. And God is allowing us to face it for a reason. And again, he wants us to be like that palm tree. Right? We may bend, but we shouldn't break. Right? We're not like a regular tree that's out here. A city tree. Tornado come that's going to uproot, knock that tree over. No. We're going to be like that palm tree. Right? Hurricanes may come, but that's okay. We're still going to be standing. And that's how he wants us. And the only way we can still be standing by keeping our eyes on him and glorifying and praising him through it all. Through it all. Praise God. Right? So I know our flesh, our minds will say, ah, nope, I don't want to praise him today because, Lord, I just need a break today. But guess what? And sometimes he may give us a break. Right? Because guess what? He won't put no more on us then we can bear. Right? So now if he's putting stuff on us, guess what? We can bear it. We can bear it. And we, we, we have to be strong. And the only way we can be strong is by keeping our eyes on Christ. Keeping our eyes on Christ. So in other words, the Philippians didn't need to fear that their present trial as a punishment. No. It was a privilege. It was a privilege. And that's what we have to remember. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Right? So he's not going to just leave us. Or forsake us. But we have to stand strong to know that he will deliver us. But it's in his timing. So, let's see. What happened at Antioch? Paul was kicked out of the city for preaching the gospel. That's Acts 13.50. What happened at Iconium? Paul was almost executed by stoning. Left for dead. Acts 14 and 5. What happened at Lystra? They actually did stone Paul and leave him for dead. Acts 14 and 19. And out of them all, the Lord delivered him. Right? So, how? <laughs> Why do we let the little things in life beat us down? Because see, that's what the enemy wants. The enemy would like nothing more for us to get weary. Right? And we can get weary in this, but how do we stop from being worried? By focusing on Christ. And again, we have the Holy Spirit to help us. When we, don't, when we feel like we can't pray, guess what? The Holy Spirit is there. He, he, he's the comforter. He's one called alongside to help. So now, when we need that help, guess what? We lean on Him. That's God right there. That is the, that, that, that's the promise. Let's go to uh, Acts uh, 1. Acts 1. All right, Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 7. And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So, Right in verse eight, we see the word "shall" s h a l l twice. That's actually two different meanings, two two different Greek words there. The first "shall" is meaning it will happen as a result of a command. And what is that command? Early in that chapter, Jesus said, told them not to leave Jerusalem until the promise of the Father came. That second "shall" wasn't a command. It was a, step, a simple statement of the fact. In other words, we, we, because we receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us, now we shall be witnesses. Because we have received that power, we'll be witnesses. Right? So what does that witness mean? It doesn't just mean to testify, right? But, yeah, it does mean testify in a way, so I don't want to contradict what I'm trying to say. But it doesn't mean we have to testify verbally. But as we're going through these difficult situations, we're still a witness. Why? Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. See, we think all the time that witnesses talk, 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 talk. Because if I actually, when Jesus is telling the disciples 
in the Gospels that you will be witnesses for me. But guess what? That word witness was actually for them to die. So we were, if I ask how many of us want to be witnesses, we're like, yeah. But then if I say how many of us want to die? Because they were all killed. Minus John. And Jesus talked about that. Right? Because they all went before him. All went before John. But they had to endure. And what would have happened if they didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit? They wouldn't have been able to do what the Lord called them to do. See, we can have all the different types of classes to teach you how to do this. Teach. None of that matters if you don't have the Holy Spirit. Because it's all flesh. If there's no Holy Spirit there, it's all flesh. And see, that's what we've gotten in the habit of doing. Teaching on how to be a Christian in the sense of out of the flesh. The workings of the flesh. Right? We teach the word. Yes. But the Holy Spirit will lead us. He will guide us. He will show us. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8. I'm almost done because I know y'all don't want to hear this. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter four, beginning at verse eight, verse eight and nine. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Again, that's like that palm tree. So let's break some of these words down. We are hard pressed. In other words, we are troubled and afflicted. That's, a, that's what that hard press means. Trouble and afflicted. Yet not crushed. In other words, we are not distressed in the sense of suffering from extreme anxiety. Why? So even though things may happen around us as citizens of the kingdom of God, we're not to be in the whole severe extreme anxiety. Yes, fear may hit us, but it should not overtake us. Right? We, we can rest in his presence. We can rest in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can rest in His Word. We are perplexed. Perplexed means to be without resources. Left warning. So it doesn't matter if we don't have. Right? It doesn't matter if we don't have earthly, natural, financial resources. It doesn't matter. Why? But we're not in despair. In other words, we're not utterly at a loss. Why? Because the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. That's right. He will make a way. Right? So that word despair means utterly at a loss to give up, lacking the means to provide for oneself. Because as long as we're serving God, He will provide. That's right. Verse 9. Persecuted to make run, flee, oppressing, but not forsaken. In other words, we're not abandoned. Right? So even those who are being persecuted, the Lord has not left them. The Lord is still there watching over them. And he's praying that they will have the strength to endure. And guess what? Because as long as the enemy 
has us bound in fear, guess what? He has a grip on us. This is why we're not to fear death. Because ultimately, that's what people are afraid of. Death. Right? But as long as we're not afraid, guess what? He can't have us in bondage. Because we can walk freely and boldly. Right? Some of us may not fear death, but we may fear other things. Right? Whatever that may be. I don't know. It could be. It's all different things. Right? Struck down. Struck down means to put in a lower place, to make prostrate, but not destroyed. In other words, we may be struck down, but we're not destroyed. We're not um, ruined. We're not put out of the way. But he wants us to continue to fulfill his purpose, just like Paul did. Right? So, Paul was stoned. Right? Paul, 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 Paul was whipped. <laughs> Paul was whipped. But he didn't let that get to him. Right? Paul had a sickness and disease, but he didn't let that stop him. Why? Because he was not thinking about himself, but he was thinking about the church. That's what he said. He was thinking about the church. He was thinking about his brothers and sisters in Christ. Hey, how can I help them? That's why even when he was in prison, he was still able to write. See, when the Lord probably told him, yes, you will speak before kings, he probably wasn't thinking, oh, I'll speak before a king as a prisoner. Because that's what he was. He was a prisoner then. We read it in Acts. Right? But he still, no matter what. And guess what? He wasn't in prison because he was a Christian. Because they said if he had not appealed, we read it, they would release him. So it wasn't because he was a Christian. Right? Yes, the Jews were trying to throw him in jail. Because he was preaching Christ. But guess what? He wasn't in jail because he was a Christian. Because he would have been released. And they knew he was a Christian. So we may face things not because we're Christians. But again, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. So we live, because we live in a fallen world. And yes, the devil is the ruler of this world. Right? And sin still abounds in this world. Right? This is why we still have murders out there. We still have... Violence, domestic violence, sexual assault. We still have people getting robbed out there. Right? That's not the devil doing that stuff. That's people doing it. Right? As I said, we give the devil too much credit sometimes. We do. Alright? Uh, let's turn... Did I cover all of them? Yep. Let's turn to five, uh, First Peter chapter 5. Almost done. So hold on, Victoria. <laughs> First Peter chapter five. Then we'll close with the Old Testament. All right, First Peter chapter five, verse ten. <clears throat> but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you, to him be the glory and the dominion forever. And ever. Amen. See, we, we may suffer, we may face trials and tribulations, but guess what? He's perfecting us. He's establishing us. He's strengthening us. He's selling us. And He doesn't want us to think about ourselves. He doesn't want me to think about me. He wants me to think about other people that may be going through what I'm going through, but they may not be. It doesn't matter. 
Because guess what? We don't have to go through some things in order to be a witness to other people. Right? In other words, someone doesn't have to be sick with cancer to minister to somebody that has cancer. Right? That is a fallacy that people preach from behind the pulpit. Because guess what? As long as we have the Holy Spirit, we can minister to anyone. We just have to be led. And we have to listen to what he's telling us. Simple as that. So it's not about having a pastor that's been through some things. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's a flesh. That's boasting. Because that was said. That's someone that's boasting. Because that someone wants somebody to feel sorry for them. Say, hey, I made it through this. I can help you through this. No. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's right. All right. So let's turn to Job. Chapter 1. Job chapter 1, the Old Testament. So I'll give you some time because I know some of us may have trouble with the Old Testament books. <laughs> Amen. Right before Psalms. Or the table of contents. <laughs> Amen. All right, we there? All right. Job chapter 1, we'll begin in verse, we'll begin at verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. Sounds like a rich person, right? That, that, that's a lot that he has there. Verse 4. And his sons will go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. So some of us may have heard taught that the devil came to strike Job for the things that he feared for his children. Scripture doesn't say that. And we'll get to why that happened. But he wasn't in fear, wasn't offering up an offering for his house or for his sheep. But we like to pinpoint things. We like to make up stuff as we go. <laughs> for whatever reason. Alright, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. So in other words, he's prowling like a lion, right? He's looking for prey. He's looking for people he can have access to, right? But guess what? Verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God? For, wait, I'm sorry. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. In other words, he stays away from evil. He's upright. Right? So why would we teach that 
oh, the enemy came and attacked um, Job's kids because he was afraid of Job. He, he was afraid of his kids uh, sinning and being lost. No, he was an upright person. Upright person. And this is God speaking. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? In other words, does he fear you only because you have blessed him abundantly? Verse 10, have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions and have increased the land. So right there, that tells us that Satan really had no access to Job, his household, not even his children. So it had nothing to do with him being afraid. As some televangelists have taught. No, God's hand of protection was upon him. Why? Because he was walking in obedience to him. Verse 11. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So right there, touch all he has. But don't touch him. Touch holy the ass. That means his children. That means all the sheep, the oxen, the house, all that. But don't touch him. Why? God put him on a leash. God put him on a leash. God put Satan on a leash like a dog. Right? He put him on a leash. All right, we'll keep, actually, we'll keep reading the whole chapter. Now, there was a, a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabines raided them and took them away, indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. The devil's busy right now, right? God released his hand off. The devil's at work. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people. And they are dead and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground and what? Worship. Worship. He didn't say, woe is me. He worshiped. Now, this is an Old Testament saint. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Right? In other words, he didn't murmur against God. Right? All of that. And I'm pretty confident to say all of us put together have not experienced that. Right? But he did not murmur. He worshiped. See, when we're facing difficult situations, we got to learn to worship. We got to learn to praise God. We got to learn to read his word and get in his presence. We got to learn to take 
our eyes off of ourselves by murmuring and complaining. And yes, I know it's hard on our flesh because it's easy to do because guess what? Ever since we were a little kid, we probably we started hearing our parents murmur and complain. We hear our friends murmur and complain. School, we hear the teachers murmur and complain. Everywhere around, we hear people murmur and complain. Right? And it's easy for us to do. But as believers, that's not what the Lord wants us to do. Right? We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be citizens of the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be ambassadors. So now we don't murmur and complain. Now when people see us going through, guess what? That opens the door. Why? Because I'm trusting in God. Why? Because I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. Why? Because I'm an ambassador. Why? Because it's goodness. And guess what? They're not going to understand. But so what? They don't need to understand. Right? And guess what? We're going to have some Christians that are not going to understand. Right? But that's on them. Point is, we have to understand. We have to stand. We have to worship. And we have to trust God. In all the trials, all the tribulations, all the hardships, all the sickness, the disease, no matter what we're going through, we have to trust God. Because through it all, He's still God. That's right. He's still God. Amen? Amen. 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 We'll stop right there. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's bow our heads.